Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Lessons Unlearned with Matthew Gosler. Uh, I think this is the second episode. <laughs> it should be something I don't forget, as I started yesterday. Um, in this episode, I think I want to just talk about some funny stories from when I was a kid and what I learned from them, or, you know, looking back at it, what I think that meant for me. So I'm just going to hop right in. Uh, the first story... Um, when I was a kid, my dad and I, every once in a while, would walk down the street to Burger King and get breakfast on, like, a Saturday or Sunday morning. And this one particular one, you know, we went, and they always had the stands of, like, the free newspapers. Uh, in Arizona, it's called the New Times. Maybe it's other places as well, but I think it was a local one. So my dad would always look through it, and in the back of the New Times, there was always, like, strip club ads and stuff. So he goes to the bathroom, and when he's gone, I see, like, an underwear ad, and there's a girl in a bra. Keep in mind, I'm in second grade. So after he's done reading it, I tear it out, and I put it in my pocket. Now, earlier in the day, I had found a $1 bill, which in second grade, I was just like, dang, I'm straight ballin'. Um, and it had stuff written on it with Sharpie, some, like, nonsense, and we eat breakfast, go home. Uh, I get home and my sister, uh, who's about seven years older than me, is like yelling and screaming, saying that I stole her money, that, you know, she's missing money and, you know, she thinks it's me, whatever. So I start freaking out and I'm like, mom, mom, you know, I didn't steal her money. I found a dollar bill, but I know it's not hers because it has this stuff written all over it. So just to, like, prove my point, I reach in my pocket, go to pull out the $1 bill, and I pull out the picture of the girl in a bra from the newspaper, and I, like, you know, gasp, put it back in my pocket, take out the $1 bill, and she's like, yeah, yeah, that's fine, because, you know, uh, somebody in high school knows that $1 is probably not the amount that was missing, but as a second grader, I thought that was what she was talking about. She's like, okay, okay, you, you didn't take her money, but what was that? you know, what was in your pocket, and I was like, oh, it's nothing, and she's like, no, just, just show me what it is, and I'm like, it was a picture of a duck, and she's like, Matt, you know, she starts getting serious at this point, like, why is he lying about whatever he just pulled out of his pocket, and I'm just like, no, I'm not showing it to you, no matter what, and she's like, if you don't show me that right now, you cannot play Nintendo until you tell me what that was, and I start screaming and crying, and I run in my room, and I rip it into, like, a million different pieces like you would never be able to put it back together and I take it and I just throw it into this pile of like toys and stuffed animals and stuff and I refuse to tell her what it was and she's like all right well and tell you uh tell me what that is you can't play Nintendo and that was pretty devastating to me I was definitely a big video game nerd you know Final Fantasy Earthbound Chrono Trigger I know that was Super Nintendo but this was regular Nintendo so I guess like I don't know Metroid and Super Mario Brothers but I held fast, right? <laughs> and I think about three months went by where I didn't play any Nintendo. And that's really funny to me because, you know, in hindsight, you know, I, t I told my mom about this recently where, you know, I finally came clean after, I don't know, 25 years or something. I was like, you know what, Mom? It was an ad from Sears with a lady in a bra. And in hindsight, right, she probably would have just said something like, Matt, 
you know, you shouldn't be doing that, or like, you know, don't do that again. Like, really, what trouble could I have gotten in? Even though my parents were religious, they both have PhDs, they're both very smart, I don't think that would have been the end of the world, you know? I'm a growing boy, and, you know, that stuff's probably pretty normal. But in my head, it was just like this deep, dark secret that nobody could ever find out, or else, you know, my world would come to an end. So, um, I think, even though it's small, and that's kind of a funny story, I think... It really resonates with me as, like, don't care what anybody thinks, right? Including your parents. Um, because even if you think the world would end, right? I didn't say anything, and in three months my parents forgot, and I got to play Nintendo again. Um, just like most things, even if you think it's this deep, dark secret, probably doesn't mean that much, right? And if you told somebody, they'd probably be understanding, and... You know, you could talk it out with them and both of you would learn something instead of kind of harboring it with you until you think you can get away with it. So that's the first story. All right, the second story, um, I guess I'll preface with I've always, I say always, I'm not a big fire person now, but as a kid, I was like obsessed with fire. You know, I thought it was super cool. I love lighting things on fire. I didn't care if I'd ruin my toys. Uh, I would, like, spray glasses cleaner all over the, like, tile counter in the bathroom, and it would go all blue when I lit it on fire, and I just thought it was so sweet. Um, but one time, I think this was also in second grade, um, my parents had some friends in town, and we were having, like, a nice dinner, you know? So it was me, both my parents, um, and their friends that were a couple, and, you know, we had dinner, but they really wanted to catch up. And so when they're done, I was like, you know, can I be excused? I went and washed my plate. And then I went in the other room with this lighter that I had found. And we had like a, a really nice dining room table that we basically never ate at unless it was Thanksgiving or Christmas. Shout out if you had one of those too. <laughs> um, but there was a tablecloth on it that was like kind of tucked behind the chairs that people sat in. So you didn't really see it. So what I would do is I would just light it on fire, let it get a little bigger, blow it out, light it on fire, kind of do that over and over. I don't know why, real stupid, thought it was cool. So I kept doing that, and then I let it get too big, and I couldn't blow it out, and I was too afraid to, like, try to put it out with my hand, so I just kind of, like, walk in the other room, get this little cup, fill it with water as if I was getting water to drink, and try to pour it on it, and the fire's way too big at this point, so then I'm freaking out, just like, oh god, they're gonna find out, they're gonna find out, so I, like, go in my room and try to get a, a cardboard shoe box, and I fill it partially with water, and I'm, like, running down the hall, uh, you know, it's spilling everywhere, just leaking out of the sides, and I, like, try to put it out, and I can't do it, so I keep trying, and then all of a sudden, the fire alarm finally goes off after a few minutes, and I'm just screaming and freaking out, and I run outside, and I'm screaming, just like, oh my god, my house is on fire, my house is on fire, and there's people, like, walking down the street, just kind of staring at me, but not helping, probably because I'm, like, in second grade, screaming that my house is on fire, and very clearly the house is not on fire, so I run around in circles, eventually, you know, I think my dad's friend went and got the hose, brought it in, and put the fire out, um, we kept that table, 
It was a very nice table, uh, but it had burn marks like all over the legs. You know, the wood was, was super nice, so it kept its form, but uh, we kept that table and it was a constant reminder of what I had done and my love for fire. So my favorite thing about the story was my punishment. Um, my parents were really big on like practical lessons learned uh, that usually ended up being pretty impractical. Um, I also lied to my parents about what had happened. You know, instead of just saying, I like playing with fire and I'm stupid, I told them that, you know, I, I found this lighter and I didn't know what it was. So I twisted the wheel and then a flame came out and I freaked out and threw it. And now anybody who's had like a standard big lighter knows that that's not how a lighter works. Um, you can't just throw it and the, the flame stays. So they knew I was lying. So my mom is an epidemiologist, and at the time she worked for the CDC uh, in the anti-tobacco department, but I'm sure she had lots of connections with, you know, firefighters and police officers and all sorts of things that are involved with the CDC and epidemiologists. So she got me signed up for a class that was like Arsonist Anonymous. So to this day, she says it was for children, but I vividly remember being in this like circle of people kind of in this, like, outdoorsy area, and they were kind of, <clears throat> you know, each one of them would take turns giving their story about their experience with fire and what they learned with it and how they're coping now, and it was, like, grizzled veterans, you know, like this dude, like, oh, yeah, I used to just light people's houses on fire, I went to prison for 15 years, and, uh, you know, every day I think about doing it, but I do what I can to stay out of prison, you know, and it was scary, it was, like, scared straight fire edition, um, and that'll just stick with me forever. Uh, unfortunately it didn't work because I still lit stuff on fire all the time, but, uh, I got a little smarter about it, right? I'm not, I wasn't burning the house down. Um, I did light my cabinets on fire one other time, but that was not an arson situation. That was, uh, I was in high school. I went to take a shower, but before I took a shower, I put a couple strawberry pop tarts in the toaster oven. Um, or just in the toaster, not toaster oven. And I figured, you know, I'm going to take a really quick shower. They'll pop up. I'll come back. They might still be warm when I get there. At least they'll be toasted. And, um, I come out and what had happened is when they popped up, they like caught the edge of the toaster. So they stayed, the, the coil stayed on. So the pop tarts lit on fire, which then made the cabinets light on fire. And, uh, so the cabinets are on fire and I don't know what to do. Uh, I try to put them out. Uh, I call the fire department. They come, but by the time they got there, I had, like, you know, thrown flour all over them and, and put it out. <laughs> but uh, the best reaction was, I get to school late, um, and I kind of explain the situation and to, like, the security guard that normally sends you to, like, where you have to go when you're late to school. And they let me go to class, but when I go into class, the teacher's like, hey, Matt, are you are your parents smoking with you in the car? Like, do I need to, to get involved with this? And then I kind of explained the situation. I was like, no, I just lit some Pop-Tarts on fire and then came to school late. So that was an interesting one. Um, the f lesson with that one, I would say, is probably to do your like, do your research, you know, um, 
I was a kid, I knew the potential of fire, but I just, like, experimented with it. Um, And I think if I had, like, logically thought through what fire is and what fire does, I could have prevented the whole thing, right? If I... If I just lit things on fire that would burn up and, and not exist anymore instead of a tablecloth that we use at some point, right? Like, even if I didn't light the whole house on fire, even if I didn't light the table on fire, at some point we would have gone to use the table and they'd be like, why is there a giant burn mark on the tablecloth? Like, who did this? How did this happen? And knowing me, I would have crumbled under the, under the pressure and gotten in the same amount of trouble I did for lighting the kitchen on fire. Um, maybe even more because I hit it, (laughs) you know, and maybe they thought when I lit it on fire the first time, just the experience was maybe, uh, punishment enough, right? Like I legit thought I burned the house down when I was running around outside screaming. So, (laughs) um, I think after that, I actually was a little more like analytical and smart with, specifically the use of fire, right? I knew I still enjoyed it, but I made sure to do things that uh, would not get me in trouble, that would not get me caught. Um, so the third story, kind of along the same lines, is I used to go to this after-school program in elementary school. Um, it was just one of those things where, you know, three o'clock, if your parents were still working, you could stay at school for free until about six was the latest you could stay. And you'd do things like, you know, color and play on the playground, or they'd have like random PE sort of activities, or, you know, later, I think they might have gotten a video game system, foosball, you know, that kind of stuff. So I went to this program every day, even though I didn't need to, um, I just kind of enjoyed it. Um, I could have come home at some point, but I think it was just one of those things where I personally have always found an excuse to not be at home. Um, I didn't really feel comfortable at home growing up and, and it's not because I had like a bad childhood or anything. It was mostly just because in my mind, uh, my parents were very strict, right? Like I couldn't go to my friend's house after school. I couldn't you know, I always had to finish my homework and then do some other things. It was never like, I didn't have free reign to do things I actually wanted to do, um, that were outside of the house. I always like, if I was home, I had to be working on something. I had to be doing homework. I had to be, you know, practicing trombone. Um, I'll go into this on another episode, but when the whole like internet addiction craze came out, um, I was limited to one hour on the computer, um, per day and kind of off topic. Um, so from an early age, I decided that I wanted to stay at school because even if it was not the most fun, at least I could just like hang out with other kids and do fun activities instead of go home and have to kind of do the most productive things that I didn't like as a kid. Um, so I realized at some point there was one day where my friend's like, Hey, do you want to come over after school and and play some magic cards? And I'm like, Hmm, I have to go to the after school program program. And then I have to get signed out later. And then he's like, well, I live like three houses away from the school. Just don't 
check yourself in. Just go here and then walk home at the same time you'd go home normally. And I was just like, my mind was blown. I was just like, this is it. This is the hack. This is how I can do anything I want, right? The world is mine. So uh, his name was Kyle. So me and my friend Jeff and sometimes our friend Andrew after school walked to Kyle's house. His parents were awesome. They'd always like make us snacks and we could do whatever I wanted or whatever we wanted. So usually that ended up being like playing magic cards or Warcraft 1 on like LAN. But we'd play cards, uh, his parents would make us snacks and drinks, and we would just have fun. Like, we weren't doing anything bad. Uh, it was just hanging out and kind of exploring the things that we liked. Um, and this went on for probably a year? Maybe more, maybe less. You know, time's kind of weird when you have your memories as a kid. It feels like it was for years and years, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Um, but after we had been playing magic cards, like, all the time... We decided, like, hey, why don't we do this on the weekend, too? What if we get our parents to bring a folding table to the park and we can have a tournament with all of us with, like, prizes and stuff? You know, all our parents can hang out and then we can play magic and it'll be awesome. We can invite other people from school if they want to compete with us. And uh, so we plan this and then one day we go to Christy Cove Park on a weekend with our parents. Everybody shows up and... <laughs> Uh, Kyle's parents go up to mine and they're like, oh, are you the Gosslers, you know? And they say yes, they say hi, and they're like, you know, Matt is just the best kid. He's so respectful. He's so sweet. Like, we love having him over every day. And I just see my parents' face go, like, ghostly blank. And they look over at me and they're like, what do you mean every day? And they're like, oh, Matt comes over to our house every day and, you know, plays with Kyle and Jeff and them. And, um... My parents toned it down at the moment, but on the way home, uh, I got screamed at quite a bit, and then when we got home, I was grounded forever, and my parents had to check me out from the after-school program. So, uh, once again, it's kind of a lesson of I should have just said what I was doing, or what I wanted to do. Uh, my parents were pretty logical. Um, I don't know if they would have let me go over there if I had told them, but... I think if I could have them actually talk to the other person's parents and kind of understand that it was a good house to be in and it was a good place to be and, you know, we could do our homework and stuff as well, it's possible that it may have been allowed. Um, once again, I just thought I was the most clever person ever and it was the first time that I was like, dang, I didn't cover all my bases, you know, I should have been smarter. Um, but it was fun while it lasted. So the next story, probably around the same time, it might have been the year before. Um, I was always like a really clever kid, but definitely pretty naive um, compared to some of my friends, I'm guessing. Um, it might have been because I was not really sheltered, but like I said, it was a pretty strict household. So there's like a lot of things that I just could never even imagine. So one year around Christmas time, uh, I believed in Santa. I actually believed in Santa way too late. I was like, <laughs> this is a side tangent, but totally funny. Um, I believed in Santa till I had to have been like in like seventh grade, like some absurd age, like 12 or 13. And <clears throat> I remember uh, my niece is nine years younger than me. And, uh, you know, it was one year 
Christmas Eve, I'm just like, all right, I want to go to bed, wake, you know, the sooner I go to bed, the sooner I wake up, the sooner I get presents, this is the best, yeah, Christmas rules, so I'm like, put my pajamas on, I'm heading to bed, and my mom's like, hey, Matt, um, this year, do you want to play Santa for Ariel, and I'm like, how was I so stupid, it was like this immediate truth bomb, where it was like, so obvious, like, how could I be so dumb, I'm in middle school, I'm smart, Santa's obviously fake. My parents have been him the whole time. Like, my world came crashing down, but it made sense. And so, like, you know, in this, like, trying not to cry, like, of of course I'll play Santa, you know? <laughs> and I didn't tell them until years later that I didn't know, and they just ruined it for me, even though it was probably about time. But, rewind again, back to, like, first or second grade. Um, I didn't, like I said, that there was nothing, like... I was a good kid. I was always good. Like, my intentions were always good. Obviously, the stories I just told you, I was, like, lighting the house on fire and lying. But this is another situation where I just, like, didn't understand the concept of stealing something. So, I'm, like, looking around. My mom's purse is on the counter. Right next to it, there's an envelope. And it's just got, like, several hundred dollars in it. More money than I've ever seen in my entire life at that point. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what is this envelope? Why does it have so much money in it? Um, not thinking like, you know, this is my mom's money to buy presents with for this Christmas or whatever. So I take the money, uh, I go in my room, I I go in the closet where we have like wrapping paper and stuff like that. And I kind of put all the money in a Christmas bag and then I put a bunch of tissue paper on top of it, you know, I wrap it like it's a gift, and then on the tag I write, to Matt from Santa, because of course Santa's real, right? So it doesn't matter that I found the money or that I took the money, you know, they're just going to be like, wow, Santa gave Matt a really good present. So fast forward to Christmas, um, you know, we wake up, we go out there, and my parents are like, okay, um, who's opening presents first? And, you know, I'm the youngest at that point. Uh, so I'm like, ooh, me, 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 and I, uh, they're like, okay, go find one with your name on it, and we'll open it, so I, I go, I run over to the Christmas tree, and I grab this bag, and I open it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Santa must have known that I wanted a Razor scooter, a Super Nintendo, uh, these different video games, uh, a new basketball, uh, a bicycle, you know, I can buy all these things with this money, and my parents, <laughs> once again, they just, like, go completely blank, and, you know, their tone changed, and they're like, Matthew, where did you find that money, and I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, Santa gave it to me, and I'm like, Matt, where did you find the money, and then, you know, the second time is always the one, you know, the first one, you think you can get away with it, and then I was like, I found it on the counter, I'll never do it again, I don't know, I just found it in an envelope, um, funny enough, I don't remember getting in trouble for that one. Maybe that was just the lesson, and it was Christmas, so they didn't feel like going harder. But, uh, yeah, I definitely learned not to steal. And I learned what stealing was at that point. Um, and I think it's kind of stayed with me as to, like, don't take things that aren't yours, Right? Um, I know that seems really basic, but I definitely had friends that kind of, especially if their situation wasn't good, they would just take things because they felt that they deserved it or needed it more than other people. 
Um, and I think at some point, maybe at that point, that kind of left me. Like, I understood that somebody else worked for that money and it was not mine. Um, that, like, the easy hack or the easy way to get something was not just taking it. That, you know, my my parents did a pretty good job teaching me the value of money um, and, and making me earn things. Uh, once again, that's definitely a topic for a, for a different episode. But uh, that really stuck with me of, like, it kind of put the fear in me of, like, don't take things that aren't yours because they're not yours. Um, <clears throat> and then the last group of stories I want to tell uh, all relate to urination. Actually, never mind. There's four more stories. Three of them have to do with pee. Um, the first one, first grade, I'm in the bathroom with my friend during recess, and he's like, hey, Matt, I dare you to pee on the bathroom floor. And I'm like, no, no way. And he's like, come on, Matt. It'll be really funny, really cool if you pee on the bathroom floor. So I'm like, fine, I'll do it. You double dog dared me. I have to do it. So I pee on the floor. He then goes immediately outside. Sam, I'm still pissed at you for this. Uh, and he tells the aide, Matt just peed all over the bathroom floor. So obviously she's pissed because she has to clean it. And I run around the entire schoolyard. I'm just running away from this aide, you know. It feels like if I try to run from the police now, right? Like, sure, I can do it for a while, but I will get screwed at some point. <laughs> and, of course, eventually they, like, corner me and uh, take me in, and the principal, Dr. McLaren, he was pretty scary from what I remember, but Dr. McLaren looks at me and he goes, you know, Matt, why'd you do it? And my first instinct was like, I can't just tell him I peed on the floor, that's, that's awful, somebody had to clean that up, so I'm like, um, I stood too far away from the toilet, he obviously saw right through it, and I didn't get, like, an in-school punishment. Um, I'm guessing he talked to my parents about it or knew that I went to the after-school program because my punishment was for the rest of the year, I had to be the bicycle attendant, meaning until every kid went and unlocked their bikes, I had to make sure that people weren't, like, stealing bikes or messing around, and then at the end, when everybody had their bikes, I had to lock it up. Um... I actually feel like that was a really good punishment, right? Where it wasn't, like, awful, but it gave me, like, work. It gave me a punishment that was that was tangible and not just, like, a scolding. It was, like, a long-term, here's what you have to do because you made this decision that kind of ruined somebody else's day. Um, and uh, I think that was good. The second P story was... Probably the same year at the after school program, they were renovating the school. And part of that was like the bathrooms, I guess. Maybe they were doing something with the bathrooms where they were all locked. So the idea was like at the beginning of the after school program, they told everybody, like, hey, don't drink too much water. Um, there's no bathrooms. All the bathrooms in the school are locked. Maybe they turned off the water. I don't know what it was, but you couldn't use the bathroom. So please hold it. And it got to be, like, 5 p.m., I think, and I, had like, had to pee so bad. And I asked them, I was like, can I pee outside? And they're like, no, you just have to hold it, you know. And 
as an adult, I probably would have just like gone in a corner and peed. Um, but I thought that if I did that, I would be in more trouble than anything in the world, you know, peeing at school outside, that's not okay. So instead I pee my pants and an hour later, my grandma comes and picks me up. But after I peed my pants, I was so embarrassed that I had put my shirt over my knees and was walking around like a crab. And, you know, my grandma comes to pick me up and she's like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm a crab. I'm a crab. Look at me. Ha ha. This is funny. And then she's like, stand up. We have to go to the car. And I was like, nope, I'm a crab. I'm going to walk. And she was like, stand up right now. <laughs> and I stand up and just immediately start bawling because there's just like pee like all down my jeans. And obviously once I did that, she felt bad, took me home and we changed. Uh, and again, same thing. Should have just been honest. Should have not been embarrassed. Um, that situation was ridiculous, right? Telling kids they have to hold their pee for three hours plus. Um, I understand why I peed my pants, and I'd do it again. Uh, the third story with pee was also at recess. Um, I'm in there peeing in a urinal, and my friend Michael is also next to me doing the same thing. And he finishes before me, and this is kind of... It's not the first time I remember being bullied, because this was fifth grade at this point. Um, I definitely got bullied a lot before that. But it's one that stood out to me as like somebody who didn't normally bully me, that was definitely a friend of mine, that just, I think they did it to be, you know, funny, was I'm peeing, and he just like pushes me into the urinal. So like, I just pee all over my own shirt. And at this point, it's not first grade, you know, in first grade, that kind of stuff probably happens pretty often. Uh, but in fifth grade, that's when there starts like, you know, like cool kids start to emerge. So I go over to the sink and the, the bell's already rung at this point. Like when we were in the bathroom, the bell rang. So he ran off to class and I'm like rinsing my shirt off, um, <laughs> trying to get the pee out. And so half my shirt's just wet. Like it made it so much worse. So I finished doing that. I walked back to class and as soon as I opened the door, Mr. Turner goes, Matt, why are you late? And what is all over your shirt? And in front of the whole class, once again, just start bawling, crying. And I'm like, it's pee. And I just like run out, run to the nurse's office to try to get a shirt to change into. And uh, yeah, that probably set up a lot of great, um, <laughs> great things for me going forward into middle and high school. But uh, in hindsight, it was super funny. Um, and then I think the last story I want to share from being a kid at least in this podcast, is one where we had a lot of kids on in our neighborhood. Um, Michael, Ryan, Kendall, Derek, uh, Jessica, and I think she had a friend, Rachel, that was over. But, oh, Alyssa too. Shout out to Alyssa. <laughs> uh, but there's one day my friend Jackson came over on a weekend, and we're just kind of riding our bikes around the neighborhood. This was also fifth grade because Mr. Turner got me in trouble again. Um, later I'll kind of explain why Mr. Turner hated me. It was pretty petty, but he did not like me. So Jackson and I get on our bikes and this was the time when digital cameras didn't exist, right? Um, so I had a disposable camera that I had left over from summer camp, um, that had like half the pictures. So we were just riding around on our bikes, taking pictures of stuff. 
and the pictures ran out, right? But if you remember, if you kept winding it, you could still make the flash work. So the flash was just like a mechanism that didn't have anything to do with the disposable camera being out of film or not. So we're riding our bikes after we finish that. We're just kind of riding around the neighborhood. We want to see if any of our friends are out. And we, we turn around the corner and we see Jessica and Rachel in their front in, in Jessica's front yard and they're playing like princess dress up. And once again, pretty normal for, you know, fifth grade girls to play dress up. But we just kind of wanted to razz them a little bit. Um, and we just were like, oh, look. And then we, you know, pretended to take pictures with a camera that was out of film. Um, you know, we laughed a bunch and they were screaming at us and throwing rocks at us while we were riding by on our bikes. And, you know, to me, it was like pretty obvious that you know, we weren't actually taking pictures, we were using the flash way too fast, but we, like, sped off and laughed and high-fived and whatever, and went home, that was that. On Monday, we go into school, and as soon as we walk in, Mr. Turner takes me and Jackson, and he, he gives us both, uh, like, I don't know what you call them, I guess in high school they were write-ups, so basically, like, some sort of note showing that you were in trouble, and I was just, like, what are you doing? I didn't do anything. And they're like, well, Jessica and Rachel came and talked to me about how upset they were. You did these things. And I'm like, I wasn't at school. How are you getting me in trouble for this? You know, we also didn't actually take pictures, right? There was no film in the camera. I was like really just surprised and, and adamant and pissed that like this happened. And that was actually in hindsight, like, <clears throat> I think that's the attitude a lot of people have when they bully somebody, right? I, I think... Jessica was my friend, and Rachel was my friend, and we just saw it as kind of giving them shit, but maybe they have a deep insecurity about what they look or at, look like, or at the time, maybe they had already been made fun of for playing dress-up when it was, like, too old, they were too old for that to be cool anymore, right? Even though it's totally normal and fine, like, certain people might have insecurities or things that really trigger them or make them feel a certain way and even though we thought it was harmless fun it was certainly a moment that we were the bullies right and that when I realized that later uh it made me feel pretty awful right uh, my whole life I've been bullied by friends and people that don't like me um and people that don't know me honestly so it made me realize that like you really need to take a perspective of other people. Um, there might be people that you well know well enough that you can, you know, razz them or give them shit or, you know, make jokes kind of on, at their expense, but like really follow up sometimes and say like, was that okay? You know, like I didn't mean to offend you or hurt you, you know, probably shouldn't do it to people you don't know at all or people you only kind of know. Um, but I'm totally for making fun of your friends. I talk crap to my friends all the time. Um, but if you're not that close, maybe think twice about it next time. Um, and that's something that's really sat with me forever where I didn't like feeling like the bully at that point. And there's been plenty of other times in my life where I didn't think about the other person and <clears throat> ended up, uh, hurting them because of that. 
But this was the first moment I can remember that I was the bully, not the one being targeted by the bully. And it also kind of gave me a perspective on the other side where, you know, resentment for your parents or resentment for somebody who picked on you when you were a kid or resentment for, you know, teachers that didn't like you or teachers. There's always another side to the story, right? Jackson and I were just having fun. We thought it was harmless, right? We didn't actually take any pictures. We didn't even tell anybody at school that we did it. We just thought it was like a funny moment in time. Um, But to them, it was not a moment. It lasted a long time, obviously throughout the weekend at least. So um, the lesson from that is definitely whether you're the bully or being bullied, really think about being in the other person's shoes, you know? Like, you might think it's just a funny thing, or you might think it's normal, or you might think it's just hazing, or you might think, you know, you consider this person a friend, but if they don't consider you a friend, maybe they wouldn't be okay with it. Or maybe they don't think you're close enough that you can say stuff like that. Or maybe you're not close at all, and you just think that you're friends with them because they're in a class with you. Um, There's all sorts of things that you need to think about. Um, when you do something at somebody else's expense. Um, And I think most people that know me now know that I'm pretty good at treating people like people, you know, Um, trying not to be mean to anybody or making them feel anything less than great. Um, Yeah, once again, at the end of the episode, it took kind of a a turn towards, towards more serious, but... Um, Those were some funny stories from when I was in elementary school specifically that really stuck with me and and I I either tell all the time or keep them inside, but they they really meant something to me. Um, I'm sure I'll have another episode like this from the same time period, but those were just like the first ones off the top of my head. So, you know, I appreciate you listening. Um, Once again, reach out to me, messages, comments, whatever. Um, I want to hear your stories about, you know, funny things you did as a kid that you learned from or, you know, punishments you had from your parents for things that were kind of stupid that you had done or uh, situations where you were either bullied or were the bully and kind of what you learned from those experiences. Because I think everybody makes mistakes. I know everybody makes mistakes. But the more important part is like what you learn from that and how that shapes you going forward. Or, you know, my hope is that at least one or two people that listen to this maybe haven't thought about their actions as much as they should have. Maybe they think something's just a funny story, but they didn't think about the fact that the aide had to clean up their pee after they got in trouble. Or that this, you know, person that was their friend thought all weekend about how everybody at school was going to make fun of them because we took pictures of them playing dress up. Um, You know maybe reflect a little bit or talk with somebody about it or maybe reach out to that person and say, hey, this was a long time ago, but, you know, I have thought about it. Um, So, yeah, reach out to me. Talk to me. If anybody has any stories to share, I'd love to hear them. And, uh, you know, maybe we can get them on the podcast. So um, if you want to contact me, my Instagram, TikTok, Twitter is at BobaFoxBox, like Boba... Fett, or Boba the Drink, Fox the Animal, and Box the Thing You Hold Stuff With. So at Boba Fox Box on Instagram, Twitter, um, and TikTok. And if you want to email me, it's matt at bobafoxbox.com. 
It's pretty silly, but it's a, a branding thing I'm doing for streaming and stuff. Uh, pretty soon we're going to have shirts out at reaperking.com. Uh, my passion's magic. Uh, my passion is also black and white clothing. <laughs> so uh, a lot of the shirts that I, I see in, in magic are pretty lame. So a friend and I are kind of building a brand that shirts that we like to wear or that we would want to wear that are kind of inspired by magic. Some a little indirectly and some pretty direct. But thanks again for watching. Share your experiences. And uh, I hope you tune in for the next episode.